This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. So good evening. We're welcoming all our guests and listeners to a new episode of our podcast and today's episode is dedicated all to Valentine's Month and we're talking about chastity and love. So we have a, a special guest today. Um, from the Catholic stand, uh, I found him there. He was writing a post. His name is Paul Kinias, and he's going to talk to us about this very difficult topic. So, Paul, tell us about yourself and your ministry. Uh, thank you for inviting me to talk on your podcast. It's great to be here. I'm a single Catholic in my 30s, um, passionate educator and learner. I have a master's in teaching and liberal arts, so I like studying a lot. Um, Currently, I'm, I'm a teacher, so I, I see my ministry as at least partly directed to immigrant students because mm-hmm. I teach English as a second language in a public school. Obviously, I also write for Catholic Stand. I've been doing that for a few years, um, at least two or three. Um, and um, I'm, I'm one of five, um, live in Massachusetts, uh, was cradle-born Catholic, and I try to incorporate my faith into my daily life. Uh, I try to have a prayer routine that I stick to. Paul, you wrote on Catholic Stand about chastity, and uh, let me be honest, a lot of people don't even know what that term means today. So for starters, tell us what does it mean to be chaste, and what is this term chastity? Yeah, so in my piece, um, I mentioned that a lot of people are unclear about chastity and there's a real need for teachers um, on the subject. To me, being chaste really means living the way that we're meant to live. Um, The church wants us to integrate our sexuality and not have it take over our lives. At the same time, it's not something that should be suppressed we're fallen, so that is very difficult for us. Um, chastity is what frees us in order to be able to experience real love. So being chaste means guarding your thoughts and watching your speech. Mm-hmm. means watching, you know, being considering what you wear. It's not immodest. And it means treating yourself and others as really temples of the Holy Spirit. And I think um, in this day and age, um, especially where I talked about this desire to sort of find the click and the right chemistry Mm -hmm. between people, we often sort of see each other as objects. Mm -hmm. And chastity is about seeing people as ends, seeing their real dignity, not looking for that perfect click, that perfect connection committing to somebody or at least, you know, committing to that ideal of being chaste. So why is it that we need to be chaste? Now, I know that there's a lot of research out there, uh, a lot of people, and and we've had guests in this podcast also, um, I think Christopher Kayser, who mentioned that people who uh, have premarital relationships, uh, they tend to get divorced faster. So there's all this research data. But why do we really need to be chaste? Why is this virtue so important in our lives? Well, of course, as you mentioned, we live in a world that wants to tell us 
that cohabitation and sex before marriage is no big deal. But studies do show that it is a big deal. Um, I'm just going to talk about two studies. The Institute for Family Studies in 2018, um, that's based in from the University of Utah, it showed that um, in terms of marital satisfaction, men that had had one sexual partner were 70 reported 71% at 71% that they had marital satisfaction, whereas men that had two reported at 65%. Uh, for women, it was 65% versus 52%. Mm. Now, there was another study um, in 2016 that showed that women with no sexual partners before marriage had the lowest divorce rates, whereas those with 10 or more are 30% more likely to, to divorce. Mm. So this doesn't mean that if, you know, you weren't chaste or if you, a person struggled with chastity, doesn't mean that they're doomed, but it does mean that um, promiscuity and not being chaste can be very destructive and have real consequences in your life. But Maybe to ask, answer your question in a more profound way, um, as Christians, we believe that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, as I said in my piece, quoting Mark 10, 19, uh, what therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Mm -hmm. So we believe that marriage and sex are sacred, so to speak. and we wouldn't want to do anything that would desecrate ourselves or others as temples of the Holy Spirit. When we dress or behave in a way that causes temptation, we're leading people against their inner dignity and we're sinning against charity. Mm. We're also treating marriage as something other than invaluable, something that could be broken, something, something that could be broken, something that's not you know, instituted by God. And really we're going against our God-given nature and we're causing other people to do it as well. I mean, a lot of people will say that it's natural. These things are natural. It's sex, you know, promiscuity is natural. Masturbation is natural, but in fact, they're perversions of our true nature. So how can we become more chaste and, and what are some more practical ways? Because uh, we're constantly bombarded, you know, with what we watch, with what we hear, with advertisements when we're walking on the street. I mean, you can't run away from all of these. But what are some of the more practical ways that we can incorporate chastity into our lives? So for single men, I, I think the most important thing is really to date someone that shares your values. Mm -hmm. on these things because otherwise it's really easy to find yourself caving into temptation mm -hmm. you know, from a woman that doesn't see chastity as important and I think we live in an age in which um, both sexes can be very forward about you yeah. know, sex um, I also feel like as you said it's you know we're bombarded by things on the street and in the internet. So it's important to be aware of the dangers of the internet. Internet pornography is often the talking point, but I believe 
streaming services like Netflix are also very dangerous. And there are certain movies and TV shows yeah. which present real temptations. So as one priest told me, you should come up with a plan of what you're going to watch. Mm. Um, you know, instead of surfing through movies on Netflix or whatever site it may be, just, you know, I'm going to watch this movie because I know that it won't lead me into temptation. Uh, music and books, of course, are also a source of temptation. So um, it's, I think it's good to read books by Christian authors or at least, um, you know, not progressive, not really secular mm. authors. And there's a phrase, you know, pick up, pick an author that has a baptized imagination, which really means just like an author that's got a Christian point of view. Mm. Um, and in terms of music, maybe you don't have to explicitly listen to, you know, only Christian artists, but, mm -hmm. but you could um, at least pick music that's, um, you know, not so much of the music now today is just overtly sexual mm -hmm. and just avoid that. Um, I also think that uh, catching the, the fleeting thoughts, the fleeting and pure thoughts that go through our minds um, during the day and, you know, stopping that thought is important. Um, there's a Catholic saint, Jose Maria Escriva, who said, we should fight the battle of purity far outside the walls of the citadel. Yeah. So this, this goes along with, I think, what Jesus was saying about, you know, what comes out of the heart mm. is, is what, what is so evil. And once we let images or thoughts kind of get deeper inside, um, they can stick in our minds like tar, uh, which is something that Jose Maria Escriva also mentioned. So, you know, there, as you said, it, it's hard to avoid some things, but it's a lot easier to exercise willpower um, when you're keeping that battle far away from, you know, your inner citadel. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, you know, just watching um, our eyes, even when we're just walking down the street, not taking that second look. and. Finally, I guess I would say like there are just certain settings and certain situations or people that do lead one into sin. And, um, you know, maybe this sounds crazy to some people, but you know, like the beach is actually for some people could be a, an area or a place that, you know, is just not helpful to go to in the middle of summer. You know, it's hard. So, and, and you know, staying busy, avoiding um Avoiding idleness doesn't mean that you have to be around people 24-7, but at least, you know, like picking up a book or um, going for a walk you know, rather than just sort of, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. um, that's important, especially for single people. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it because uh, a lot of times when people are idle or alone, then they tend to give in to um, uh, the runaway thoughts. Uh, I also... Uh, I'm quite glad that you mentioned um, about fighting it outside, long outside the citadel, because I feel chastity is like a muscle, right? You develop it over time, and it's not something you develop overnight the day you get married or the day you make a vow. If somebody has not developed chastity long before they're married, it's going to be hard for them to suddenly develop it after they're married. 
So uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. But what about those who are dealing with like an addiction right now? Let's say there is somebody who's, who's addicted to a particular habit, whether masturbation, whether it could be um, pornography or whatever, uh, or even people who can't be alone. They have to be in a, you know, a physical relationship. What do you do with those people? What do you say to help these people? Yeah, those, that's hard. Um, uh, relationships that are, how do I say this? Relationships that kind of start going the wrong way and become sexual can become very addictive and it's very hard to get out of those relationships. I know people, I've known people that have been in, in, in that place and um, it takes a lot of prayer. I think we live in a time where people sort of don't want to even admit that sex and pornography are addictive. And um, Matt Frad is a Catholic speaker, um, and he he's explained it well that that it really is addictive. There's there's you know pleasure sensors in our brain, and um, you know the release of dopamine. It it becomes it quickly does become an addiction and. He makes the important point that, you know, he says, you're not the bad things you've done. You're not the things you might be addicted to. So I mean, that's the first step. Um, you got to see yourself as distinct from your addiction. It's not you. It doesn't have to define your life. Um, and after that, uh, seeking forgiveness, which for me would mean going to confession ultimately with a priest um, and sincerely intending to change. In the confession, um, one of the uh, common act of contrition is what I want to say. One of the common act of contritions that you say in confession is that I firmly intend to sin no more. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean, I mean, most of us, or a lot of us will fall back into the same sins, but we have that intention and we will bring that to prayer and seek out support from people, friends, um, a priest. Uh, and do the do the tough things end a relationship um, often or with pornography there's there's um there's a program called Covenant Eyes where you actually share your internet searches with like a friend so like somebody that will keep you honest mm-hmm. you can do things like that so yeah I hope that answers the question and uh, what advice or where should couples who question the boundaries go to for help? I know that a lot of, um, yeah, the pre courses focus on what you do and what you shouldn't be doing. But there are a lot of times Catholic couples, and you, you might find this even on catholicanswers.com or other places where couples are questioning, you know, what's allowed, what's not allowed. So how do you tell these people what chastity is and then this is what you should and shouldn't be doing? I mean, the, the answer is obvious, but still. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of tough um, because you know people these days, and you know I'm I've looked at it this way myself to some degree. You know, thinking, what can I get away with? <laughs> yeah. Away. So it's not really the way to think about it, but you know it's natural, or it's yeah. in this very sexualized time we live in. Um, it's a natural question for couples who question the boundaries. I think it's important to realize that you've got to safeguard someone from sin as much as you've got to safeguard yourself. And if you cross a boundary, you're going to end up with baggage and they're going to end up with baggage yeah. from that. 
practically, you know, practically speaking, it's a it's probably a good idea to avoid situations where you're alone or watching you know, a movie alone with somebody, um, and and you start to have these kind of desires to push boundaries. Um, it's very easy to to go too far when one is alone with someone, um, and you know, given this, this situation, you know, and also, I mean, I I guess I would say like. I I don't believe couples before marriage should really be engaging in you know, prolonged kissing, public or private. You know, I think keeping things kind of short and sweet, I guess, is probably the best policy because, as I say in my piece, you know, marriage is like a covenant. It's like God's covenant with his chosen people in the Bible, like with Israel. And before marriage, you haven't, you haven't really put that covenant in place and you don't want to kind of burden somebody with that. The the physical is kind of a sign of the covenant, but before marriage, that's not, it's not instituted, so to speak. The last question is about the question of chastity for married people. I mean, chastity is a virtue that is not only meant for single people, people who are religious or who've taken a vow of celibacy. It's for everyone, including those after marriage. So what advice would you give to people who, who are married right now and who are struggling with chastity or the definition of chastity? Chastity and marriage should continue along the same lines of respect for the intrinsic dignity of the other. I don't give advice to married couples, but um, I think that if I were to talk to them, um, I would tell them that you, know, you should be seeking the good of the other first, even in terms of you know sexuality and chastity. And as a Catholic, I believe that contraception is an evil because it tends to reduce sex to mere pleasure seeking. Mm -hmm. And it's usually from that vantage point that sex becomes merely selfish. And the sex is meant in its fullest sense to bring the couple closer, but it is also naturally geared towards life and bringing God into the picture, which is why contraception basically is saying, God, you know, you're out of the picture. You know, the possibility of life is out of the picture. So for a Catholic, chastity and marriage has a lot to do with, um, has a lot to do with respecting the woman's body through um, NFP, which respects like her natural cycles of fertility. It's not a rejection of her fertility. It's an embrace of her whole being. And I know that a lot of people recommend reading uh, The Theology of the Body by um, John Paul II, but are there any books that people can read or any other? Uh, you mentioned a couple of speakers who, who talk on this, on this concept. Do you know of any other people or books that you would recommend for this subject? That's a good question. Um, Christopher West is a good resource. He's um, an author. Just Google, Google him or, you know, search him on Amazon. Um, he is kind of the person that, how would I put it? He, he took what Pope John Paul II wrote in his, you know, writings about the body. Um, and he kind of made it more accessible. Okay. 
So I would, I would definitely check him out. I think he could be very useful. Um, as I said, Matt Frad um, is a good resource. Um, he's given a lot of talks. Um, he has a few podcasts and I believe he's connected to um, a website, which I believe is called the, yes, it is called the Chastity Project. They have information on that website you know, for people struggling with pornography, homosexuality, whatever it may be. So that website can be useful. Um, and beyond that, of course, reading Christ's words um, are helpful too. Sermon on the Mount, and you get a sense of just how seriously Christ takes this whole matter. It's not... Um, it's not a, a joke to him at all. It's <laughs> he's calling us to a very high standard. Yeah, yeah, and a very strict standard. Exactly. Yes. That is slowly being watered down and very, very unpalatable to a, a good number of people right now. That's true. It is. So um, I know this isn't part of our list, but uh, what are your own personal tips? I mean, give us three, three of your very own um, tips that that you would say would strengthen us on our journey uh, of chastity. And this is to all single people since it's Valentine's month. Um, three things that you yourself do or that you've been, you know, given in, in instruction or direction from a director, a spiritual director, whatever. The first thing I would say that um, in terms of chastity, one thing that I, I'm maybe not a tip exactly, but as a Catholic, you know, receiving the Eucharist mm-hmm. um, requires you to, be in a state of grace. So just to sort of think of your life in terms of being conformed to that moment where you receive the Eucharist, um, I think is important and can be helpful. Um, From confession or from talking to priests, I think another thing, another tip that I've picked up is not to be you know, it's a strict standard, but don't be afraid of talking to people. Um, approach people, talk to them, um, you know, spread the gospel. Uh, so you know, be careful, but don't, don't go to the extreme of being like afraid of talking to people. The last one would probably be to really avoid company that doesn't share this point of view. I mean, um, like I have a friend that was telling me about people at his work that were saying, were making impure jokes. And that's so common and it's almost unavoidable, but it's something where we can at least disassociate ourselves a little from it. We don't have to, you know, don't laugh at them. Don't, maybe don't hang around those people um, because they will bring you down. Mm. It's very likely that they will. Okay, great. And Paul, I know there there might be guys who would listen and would want to write to you or get in touch with you or find you online. So where can people find you online? That's a good question. Um, I guess I'm not on social media. Can they write to you at uh, Catholic Stand? I mean, leave comments there. and Yes, they could leave comments. That would be the best. Yeah. I want to say thank you for appearing on the show because this is a subject that's very touchy and that a lot of people refuse to talk about. So thank you so much for being brave enough to to talk about this well my pleasure it's it's an important subject and people need to know because there's a lot of misinformation out there in the 
the secular culture really has an agenda. So yeah. we need to fight it. So thank you so much, Paul, for, for talking to us today and uh, wish you the very best for the rest of the year and uh, have a great Valentine's month. Thank you very much. You too. Mm-hmm.